couple of months ago, I, I noticed that my, my wife, how many of y'all know your wife can hear things you can't hear? Anybody, anybody know that? But anyways, wife can hear things you can't hear, whatever. But my wife was like, uh, she said, don't you hear the well pump? Are you running water right now? Do you hear the well pump? And I'm like, no, I don't hear the well pump. And I'll, I'm not running water. And, and I walked out and the well pump's going, Jeff, that's not good for a, where'd Jeff go? Jeff, that, oh, there, it's not good for a well pump to do that, is that, right? And, and, and I'm thinking, dude, I'm going to fry this well pump. Well, it's got a warranty on it, but I don't want to fry a well pump, man. And uh, so I'm like, oh, my goodness, what do I do? So I'm, I'm trying to call Zane, Zane, Pastor Zane, who he's got kind of a church on Friday nights. That's why we don't see him here uh, up at Lakewood Park. But Zane is a good old boy that knows everything about everything about those kind of things. So I call Zane up, and I'm like, Zane, here's my well pump. Listen to this. It's going, going off. He's like, man, shut that off. And I was like, well, I'm okay. And uh, so I, I, I undo the breaker and I'm like, Zane, what do I got to do here, man? He said, I don't know. Well, what's going on? He said, what's your gauge reading? I'm like, well, gauge is reading 30, man. It's reading 30 and, it's a, and, and it doesn't seem to be like, you know, kicking up to, to 50 or 60 or anything. What's it supposed to be doing? It's supposed to be kicking up. And I'm like, okay. He said, well, turn it back on. We turn it back on. He's like, probably your bladder. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just went to the bathroom. I'm good. No, but like, he's like, no, no, your pressure bladder. And I'm like, okay, that's that big blue thing, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He said, but let's try your, your pressure gauge and your, and your points and all that first. I like, all right. He said, get you a three eighths inch socket, man. I said, do I need to pull the electric off? No, just don't touch nothing electric, man. I'm like, okay, right, Ken? <laughs> and Zane's the one who saved me. He didn't understand how I didn't get fried clipping my pool uh, uh, cords that one day. And, and it, it did fry my, my cutters, but it didn't fry me, praise God. But anyways, so he's like, just reach down there. There's big nut and a little nut. And I'm like, and there's one other nut right here. <laughs> and so I, I go down there and I said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, read on the inside of the cover. And I'm like, okay, I'm reading. Trying. Well, if you wanted to go up and not down and down, not up and sideways, turn this. Up to, and I'm like, oh, Zane, what? A, he said, just take the big nut and turn it counterclockwise. And I'm like, okay. So I turned it counterclockwise. The, the pump's still going. He said, turn it some more. He's a, and he said, turn it more. And I'm not a mechanic. So I don't mean, I don't understand the fact that turn it more means a quarter turn. All right. Or a, an eighth of a turn, right? For me, turn it some more, dude. That's like putting the drill on. You know, I'm turning it, man. I'm turning it. And I'm like, Zane, nothing's happening, man. It's still messing up. And he's like, well, how many times have you turned it? I said, oh, about 20 or 30. It's like, no. <coughs> and then now your points are all messed up. Turn it all the way back, 20 or 30 the other way. And we're, we're going to be lucky to try to get this fixed. And I'm turning both nuts now and all this. Finally, we get it to go, and it stayed on. And we're like, oh, praise Jesus. We were praying during all this. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and, and it seemed to kind of, just hang out around the 50 or so, you know? And it wasn't losing pressure according to this gauge or anything. And I'm like, Zane, I think we got it fixed. I don't need a bladder. You know, that's a lot. If you're going to spend that much money on something, it ought to be something you want, man. Who wants a bladder? I'm just saying. But anyway, so, so, so it seemed to work. And he's like, oh, good. I got to go back to work, man. So I think everything was solved. And then it was for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, we were uh, in Monday Night Bible Study, which is out on the back porch, right, Chuck? And we were talking about the Lord giving you a new song. Whenever anything goes wrong, 
dude, it's going to end up right. And it's Jesus giving you a new song. So as soon as it happens, understand God's writing the lyrics to the song. And for us as believers, it ain't a blues song. It's a victory song. And so we said, amen. Said, all right, good night, y'all. Love you, but not as much as Jesus loves you. Close down. And Chuck always says on Monday night, what do y'all say? That's a wrap. And we shut the computer. Chuck goes home. And my wife's like, do you hear the well pump? And I'm like, no, I do not have this special acute hearing to hear a well pump. I do not hear. She said, are you running water anywhere? I said, not that I know of. I said, let me go out there. And I take a flashlight and I go out and I see from the base of my well pump where the fitting goes in, dude, it is shooting water straight at the windows that are old, that aren't really waterproof. It's going, and I'm just like, Okay, I could plug the cord, but that's wet too. Oh, that's not smart, is it, Ken? Yeah. I, I, see, I'm learning, bro. I ain't the sharpest marble in the box, but I can be taught. So I ran in and shut the breaker off. Bam. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we got disc golf tomorrow. So I mean, you can't skip disc golf. Even you go, I told my wife, I'm like, look, man. I said, I got pool water. We can do this hurricane style. I'll get you a couple buckets. We can flush toilets and 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 She's like, well, I got to shave my legs in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, she's like, I'll do it with a bottle of water. I'm like, that's my woman, man. She's awesome. <laughs> we got disc golf in the morning. I don't know that I can fix it for you. Get ready to go to school and everything. And anyway, she's like, don't worry about it. I got it. And she did it. Went and played disc golf in Sam's. I said, I just got to replace the fitting. That's my, right? I looked and it's leaking at the fitting. I'm like, I just got to replace the fitting. That's it. How many of y'all know that's not it? All right. All I got to do is replace the fitting. So go home. Sam's like, well, I'll help you replace the fitting after disc golf. We replace the fitting, man, and we yank that. We're like, oh, it's kind of loose. How did it get loose in there? And it's like, must be an old fitting or something. So we put a brand spanking new one in and screwed it in nice and tight, put all that tape on it, all that junk, man. That thing ain't coming loose again. At least that's my thought. If it's just the fitting's fault, right? So sure enough, we get everything back together and... He's like, well, it looks like you're holding pretty good pressure on this gauge. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it pretty much stays right there around 30, 40. And, 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 and I was like, he's like, oh, well, that's good, man. That's good. So um, everything's working again pretty good for another month or so. And all of a sudden, I, my wife, I come in. after I, I don't know what I was coming. Oh, it was family dinner. I'm not sure. I, it's always I'm coming in, and my wife goes, do you hear the well pump? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't hear the well pump. <laughs> no, honey, I don't hear the well pump. I'm deaf, all right? I don't hear that tone from in the house, but buddy, she can hear it from a mile away. It's like, do you have water running? And I'm like, no. I've got a list of questions now. I should just have a cart here. <laughs> no, I don't have the. But she, she cares. She don't want to see it. And, and I go out there, and I look, and water's shooting out of the fitting again. And I'm like, oh, man, we just changed this fitting. Dude, these are faulty fittings. <laughs> I need to put another fitting in this thing. And I'm like, mm. you know what? I'm kind of realizing this gauge is broke. How many of y'all already knew that from the story, right? The gauge is broke. It, it, it just stayed at 30. That was good pressure, right? But so when I, when I was doing the points originally, I kind of knew it was broke. But I was like, a gauge, what? No big deal. What's a gauge, man? You know, you can, you can figure this out. And, 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 and I realized that in order to do the points, they were saying you got to know what this pressure is, what this pressure is, and you need what to be able to do that? A gauge. But we did it. Zane and I did it without a gauge. We're that smart. 
right? And, and then another time, so we did it again. So anyways, it messed up again, so Thursday, uh, I don't see, where is, uh, Sam's not here, Sam and Rhonda, y'all on, y'all on the big screen right there, but anyways, Sam come over and he helped me out, and I said, Sam, we're putting a new gauge on, and Sam, we're going to have to do new points, because I've messed these all up again, and I said, and I think it's the bladder, and he's like, well, let's just wait, because that bladder's expensive, you don't want to buy a bladder unless you got to buy a bladder, and I'm like, so we redid all the plumbing, new gauge, and it was amazing, you know, new points, there they are, and we plug it all in, and I'm not going to tell you that Sam forgot to actually glue one of the fittings, so when I went in and plugged it in, I heard him go, no, and I shut it off, but then we re-glued it, I wasn't supposed to tell you that, if he was here, I wouldn't have said that, but you're not here, so anyways, we got it all going, and, and sure enough, here's my well pump, I'm watching it go up to 60, well, yeah, and, and then I'm watching it immediately go, all the way down to 30 and kick on and it's going faster it's going again i'm just like oh my goodness what is going that's after sam had already left and we got family dinner and i'm in the middle of cooking family dinner and i'm like you know what look we're just doing this without water and i shut it off but at least i could see what was really going on with the gauge and so the next day sam come over with his wife and uh that was, I think, so she would ensure he wasn't going to stay all day with me. And uh, she didn't want us to have that kind of fellowship. But anyways, but, but, but he's like, no, man, let's try to adjust the points. Let's try to, I'm like, Sam, I've already done this. As a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. Sam, I need a bladder. Well, you don't want to buy a bladder if you don't want one. I said, I know, I've done that three times already. I want... Sam, we got to get a bladder. He's like, let me adjust. And he's like, rrr, rrr. yeah, we got to get a bladder. And we got a bladder. But I wouldn't have known if I didn't get a good gauge. With a faulty gauge, man, you make a lot of bad decisions. With a good gauge, I could have seen right away that no matter how much I adjusted those points, man, it wasn't holding pressure. It wasn't going to work. I needed a good gauge. With a bad gauge, a gauge that doesn't work, you're going to make a ton of bad decisions. You're going to replace a fitting. Was it the fitting's fault, y'all? Why was the fitting getting loose, y'all? Help me out. Come on, show me your knife. Why was the fitting getting loose? Yeah, well, because the pump was getting hot. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't the fitting's fault. If you would have been the fitting, you would have been getting loose, too. You would have been trying to get out of there, right? But the fitting was getting hot because the pump was, was overheating. Why was the pump overheating? Because the points were messed up. Why were the points messed up? Because I adjusted them wrong. Why did I adjust them wrong? Because I had a faulty gauge. And what was the, the real problem to begin with? I needed a what? I needed a bladder. So look at all the things we fixed multiple times and got it wrong until we got it right once we got a real gauge that worked. This isn't it, by the way. It's over on my well. I didn't take it off this morning to show you the good one, right? How often in life do we have a faulty gauge? And we fix a fitting, man. We re-plumb re our PVC. Man, we redo this, we redo that, redo other things because the world, we're using the world as our gauge. We're using our gut, our flesh is our gauge. We're using, you know, the, what the news tells us is our gauge. We're using social media as our gauge. And the only real gauge we have is the word of God. The word of God. But listen, the dude we're going to look at today, he had the word of God. But you know what he didn't have? 
He didn't have the Son of God with the Spirit of God opening up the Word of God for him. You can have the Word of God, but if you, don't, if you are not born again, if you're not born again, you can't understand the spiritual book. You can't understand the spiritual life, and you can't get into spiritual heaven. You must be born again. And, and again, I started thinking about that because God put, I wasn't even going to preach on Nicodemus. Man, I'm, I'm going into the second part. We just got done with Jesus' temptations last week in Luke chapter 4. And then the next passage says, yeah, everybody loved what Jesus was doing. And he went right up to Galilee. And that's what Matthew, Mark, and Luke all said. He went right up into Galilee. But John tells us for four chapters of things that happened between his baptism and him going into Galilee. Like the first miracle that he performed. Y'all remember what that was? At, at the wedding. Yeah, his mom's like, oh, hey, you know, and, and Jesus said, hey, my time. And Jesus said, fill it up. Yeah, the, turning water into wine, his first miracle. Then, then man, there was, uh, uh, he did a bunch of other things during that time. If you go read the first cha four chapters. But one of the most important encounters he had was with a guy named Nicodemus who was a religious leader, who, man, uh, we're going to look at this. And, 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 and in here, Nicodemus is pretty much telling him, look, dude, hey, we've been running things. Everything's all set up. We know Scripture. Man, Ezekiel, everything. we know Scripture. You know, uh, Israel's supposed to be gathered back together again. And we're gathered. Here we are, man. And, and we're supposed to have a spiritual revival. And here it is. This is our revival. Dude, we Pharisees, it's, we have it down pat, man. We've got this whole Bible thing. We're teaching everybody what the Bible says. So the only thing left is a Messiah, and you must be him. So come on, Messiah. You know what? I understand you're a country boy. And we got to get some things done in the big city. Don't worry about it. We are big city Pharisees from Jerusalem. And we know all the politicians. We know all the powers that be. And we will be able to help you, country boy, as the Messiah, kick everything in place. And man, together, we will then kick Rome's tail. And we will be in charge again like it's supposed to be. That was Nicodemus' thought, right? He couldn't have been farther from the truth. What was his problem? He had a faulty gauge. And the faulty gauge wasn't the Word of God. He had the Word of God, but you know what he didn't have? He didn't have the Son of God using the Spirit of God to help him understand the Word of God. It is not a carnal book. And the Pharisees for 400 years, or however long they were around, but the Jews for 400 years, took the Word of God and made it say whatever they wanted it to say. And so many people today, oh, God said this. No, dude, you've got to look at it in context. You got and, and even if you look at it scholarly in context, you have to have the Spirit of God interpreting the Word of God for you. It is not a carnal book. It's the only book that is alive, but it's only alive if the Spirit of God is alive in you. So let's take a look at what his, fault, his faulty gauge was him. And your faulty gauge is you before you're born again. Man, you keep replacing fittings. Why do I keep every month I'm replacing a new fitting on my well pump? Man, I'm tired. No, that's not the problem. Your, your, your problem is the bladder. But there's so many other things to choose from. You need God to reveal that to you through a true gauge, which again is the Word of God ministered to you by the Son of God through the power of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has to live in us to interpret his word. So again, we're going to be talking today about you must be what? Does it, again, does it say you should be born again? 
hey, it might be a good idea if you are, is that what it says? No, what's the M word that ends in ust? Must be, you must be born again. And there's so much, you know, the devil is so messed up this born again thing. In fact, I know people of other, who aren't Protestant or who aren't whatever, different denomination. Well, yeah, it's only Baptists that have to be born again. It's only those people that have to be born again. What do, people don't even know what born again means. And if there was, it's that important because that was the whole key. That was the, the proper gauge that Nicodemus needed to be able to truly understand what the word of God said. He had to be born again. He thought being born as a Jew was all he needed. Being a religious man was all he needed, dude. He thought all of that. But the whole key, the real gauge that allowed him to really understand that Jesus was the Christ and this is what he was here for and this is what Nicodemus was for. To understand the word of God, he had to be born again. In fact, let me ask you a question. How did it work out for Nicodemus? At the end of Jesus' life, how'd that work out? Terry, how'd that work out? At the end of, of Jesus' life, did he ever get born again? And where was he? Where was he at Jesus' death? And burial. Yeah, he helped bury him, man. He was born again. He was one of the leaders of the church after all of that. He did take this to heart. So let's take a look at what happens. And again, you can know all the Bible you want to know. You can go to all the conferences you want to know. You can get all the formulas. You can, you can read all the books. You can have all the lingo. You can hang out with spiritual people. You can do all these things. And people have been doing it for centuries. They have been reformed. They reform their life to fit a style, to, to be able, I'm going to reform my life. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to start doing things God's way. But unless you're doing them in God's power, you're not doing them God's way. And you're getting it wrong. And there's plenty of religion out there where you can fit your unregenerated life into and call yourself a Christian. But it's until you get born again that you now know what God wants you to do and how to do it, and he makes the word come alive. And that's what we're going to look at today. Take the mystery out of being born again. If, is there any, any wonder why Satan would confuse what it meant to be born again? Is there any, say, because if, he can, if that's the main thing, if that's the true gauge, and he can make that confusing and make it look silly and make it look denominational, make it look all these things, then guess what? Nobody wants to be born again. We'll, we'll do everything else. We just skip that. Nobody understands that. No, it's simple and it's easy of what it means to be born again. And you must be born again. So if you must be born again, what must you be? Yeah, it's not an optional thing to get into heaven, to live the life he wants you to live here, to understand who he really is. And if Nicodemus, this guy who was the most religious guy in the world, had to be born again, dude, how many of us need it? Every one of us. So check this out. John chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 1. Uh, I think we'll get through 23, uh, 21 verses today. We'll, we'll give it a shot and we'll see where we're going. Why are you laughing, Kirsten? You're just like looking, going, all right, let's go, man. I like when you set goals, man, that only the Holy Spirit can fulfill. So quit rambling. <laughs> all right, check this out. There was a man of the Pharisees, all right? Man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. So again, I told you, this guy who was a Pharisee, all right? He was part of the middle-class businessmen that took on the responsibility of making sure that the Jewish law was upheld. 
That's really who they were. There were Sadducees running things. They were the rich dudes. And they didn't really believe. And they were the ones running the temple. They were the ones running everything. They didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe in, any, in a resurrection. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. But they had the money. And they believed it's all about here and it's all about now. That's why they thought if you had money, God blessed you. If you had nothing or you were crippled or you were blind or something happened, man, God hated you. Because it was all about here. That's, a sad, that's who was running the church at the time. You think they were getting some good info? No. And then there were the Pharisees saying, no, dude, we are a group of people. We study God's word. We know God's word inside and out. And, 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 and we're going to tell you how to apply it. Only thing they were missing was they had God's word, but who didn't they have? They didn't have God's spirit. And that's what John the Baptist came to do was say, guys, everything these guys have been teaching you. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've tried they're brew of vipers, but they don't have the right answer. You need to repent. And whatever this guy who comes, Jesus, the Lamb of God, whatever he comes and tells you, that's what you got to do. He's going to tell them even how to do it. And if they swallow their pride like Nicodemus did, they'll get born again. So these Pharisees, man, I mean, they fasted numerous times, right? They, they, uh, uh, they tithed. They walked around. My favorite Pharisee was the bleeding head Pharisee. I've told you about him before, right? The bleeding, they had so many groups of Pharisees to show their piousness. The bleeding head Pharisee did not want to lust after anyone. So the bleeding head Pharisee walked around like this and with his eyes closed so he wouldn't be tempted to lust after anything. And guess what he always ran into, y'all? Jesse, what do you think he ran into? Walls, yeah. He ran into walls, boom. Oh, yes. I love you, Jesus. That's why I ran it. Or not Jesus, but God, because that's why, why I ran into a wall. So I wouldn't lust after someone. And, he, and the bigger the bruise and the bigger the scar and the scab as he walked around town showing everybody. But as soon as oh, he'd walk around again and they're like, oh, look how awesome he is. Dude, he's got a big old scab on his head, man. He must be righteous. That's how ridiculous it got to try to interpret the word of God without the spirit of God. The letter of the law as opposed to what God wanted in the, the spirit of the law. God has to reveal to you. They took it to extremes. Oh, on the Sabbath, you can walk 10, day, 10 steps, but not 20. That's against the law. That's, that's I mean, they made these rules. And in fact, when Jesus, y'all know the verse where Jesus said, if you are overwhelmed, if you are heavy laden, if you are burdened, put your yoke, take up upon you my yoke. My yoke's easy. You know what he's talking about? He was talking about the Pharisees' religious system of how laborious, how hard it was. The Sabbath was anything but a day of rest. You had to watch everything you did to make sure you didn't violate the Sabbath when, in fact, God wanted you just to rest. That's what Sabbath means. He wanted the Jews. It was a gift to them to rest. And Jesus is our Sabbath. We don't have to work for our salvation. But, man, it was a gift for them to rest. And do nothing but hang out with God. But instead, they were hanging out with a bunch of rules. And that's what Jesus came to kind of correct. But this Pharisee, he meant well. He wanted to have a relationship with God. But you know what? He couldn't really understand the word of God because he had a wrong gauge. His gauge was his heart. His gauge was his gut. In fact, Jeremiah, what did he say about your heart? Oh, trust your heart, trust your heart. What did Jeremiah say? Don't trust your heart. It's wicked, it's deceitful. It's the most deceitful thing there is. 
In fact, we have our, our feelings, we have our desires, and we have our thoughts. And everything in the New Testament with the, uh, the armor of God is teaching us how to protect ourselves from these things. In fact, the armor of God is whenever your feelings go against the Word of God, you go with the Word of God. Whenever your, your desires want something other than the Word of God, you go with the Word of God. Whenever your thoughts are leading you away from the Word of God, you go with the Word of God. We're constantly killing these things, and that's what they were developing their religion with. That was their faulty gauge, y'all. Y'all ever use a faulty gauge? Someone ever tell you, oh, go with your gut. Don't go with your gut. Don't go with your gut. Go read Jeremiah. Don't go with your gut. Your heart. Oh, go follow your heart. <laughs> follow your heart. How many of y'all ever wanted something you know? How many of y'all ever wanted something and chased it, and when you got it, you wished you didn't follow your heart? Anybody? Yeah. How about your mind? Oh, follow your thoughts. You can logically think this out. Oh, dude, how many of y'all gotten it so wrong in your head? <laughs> I need God to unscramble my head. He unscrambles my heart and unscrambles. I want all of those things to be in submission to him. That's the true gauge. So, man, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. So here's the dude. He's part of the Sanhedrin, the 71, I think it was, made up of Sadducees, Pharisees, and so on. And they were the rulers. They were the ones that represented Judaism to Rome and made the rules and had things going. So that's why I believe when he starts talking about the kingdom to Jesus, I think he's yeah, got some maybe some spiritual desires, but I think he's talking about the kingdom because, dude, We've already got everything set up, man. We already know all the politicians. We know everybody. Jesus, hey, let us help you, you little country boy from Nazareth. Let us, let us, let's do the big city work here. Let's get this going. That may be where he was coming from on all this. He's a ruler. He's in charge of Judaism. So he's the king of nothing because they've gotten it wrong. Look at this. The man came to Jesus by night. A lot of people make big deal. He's embarrassed. Didn't want anybody to see him. No, I think he came by night because he probably, they were both busy during the day and wanted to have some undivided attention together and be able to talk to him and kind of maybe make a deal. I really think he's trying to partner with Jesus to get this kingdom ushered in. And they believed the next thing was that the Jewish people were going to be in charge because God was going to come and it was the second coming and there would be the millennial kingdom and all of that. They missed. All that Isaiah wrote about a suffering servant coming to pay for our sins. But let me ask you a question. How many of y'all get God wrong? If, if, if you're broke, what do you want God to do? How many of y'all want God to give you some cash if you're broke? <laughs> if you're sick, how many of y'all, what do y'all want God to do? Dude, he'll, and, and you ever notice how sometimes we develop a one-dimensional God? If you're not in the word, we develop a one-dimensional God because we want him to meet our needs when in reality what we need to do is we need to be in the word of God and know how awesome God is, how mighty God is. And then it's not about meeting my needs. It's about me having the privilege of having a relationship with a mighty, awesome God. And whatever else goes on in life, dude, who cares? Well, God does. But you know what? It ain't about him fixing it. We don't even know how he wants to fix it, right? We just let him go at it because he's way more qualified than us. That's the difference between a man-centered theology and a God-centered theology, and that's what God wants. God is almighty. Hey, Chuck, if God's almighty, how much might does he have? And if he's got all the might, how much do you have? None of it. And you're like, well, I have some might. I'm Pittsburgh Rob. I got some might. No, your might is compared 
to Michigan Steve's might. No, I'm just like, no, I'm messing. We compare our might to each other's might. But compared to God's might, it's no might. He's almighty. And if he's got all might, he has all the might and we have none. And what a privilege to be in a relationship. He made it possible for us to have a relationship with an almighty living God. Amen? Yeah. That's what it's about. And we're already set with where we're going in heaven. We are, our eternity is taken care of. So whatever he's got going on, again, is to make us more like him by growing our faith and trusting him and to bring him glory when it actually happens. And we talk about that every week. So this man came to Jesus by night, really, I think, to set up a deal. And he said, Rabbi. Oh, my goodness. He's schmoozing now. I mean, you just didn't call anybody a rabbi. You know, Gary, when he called him rabbi, it was like, okay, we're equal. <laughs> Nicodemus was a teacher of the law and stuff. Nicodemus, okay, you're, 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 you're a, a cohort with me. You're, a, you're an equal with me. Thinking he was doing Jesus a favor, right? What was Jesus thinking when Nicodemus was saying, oh, you're an equal with me? Was Jesus honored going, oh, the Pharisees accepted me? Is that how he was? He's going, you idiot. If you really knew, if you knew how I was almighty God or I am almighty God, I got something to tell you. So he wasn't being buttered up by, by Nicodemus, you know, giving him these accolades. Rabbi, you're equal with us. We know that you're a teacher that's come from God. No one can do these signs. They saw something different. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Hey, think about that. Is that a true statement? No, we know you're from God. This is the way the world's going to be deceived, so check this out. It's a true statement. We know you're from God because no one can do these miraculous signs unless God is with them. Is that true? Really? So anybody doing miraculous signs, you know they're from God? <laughs> you better not because that is how Satan in this world system is going to suck your flesh into being deceived. And every single time Jesus was asked, what is the end time? Give us, tell us what's happening at the end. Give us signs. Tell us what's going on. You know what the very first thing he ever said was? In every one of his accounts, what's the first thing he says? Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. In fact, you go read, the closer we get to him coming, there's going to be more and more and more people doing miraculous signs and miraculous things. And you better take every one of them and compare them to the word of God with the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. You let God's spirit show you what's going on because that is, say, I mean, what's one of Satan's names is deceiver. Who's he always trying to be like? God. So you think he, he can deceive you in thinking that he's God? And, and these certain things are from God and these are from God? And I'm not saying anything. So I'm just saying don't be a sucker and take everything that's supernaturally done and believe that's God. We want to see it so bad in this fallen world. Don't be a sucker. You take it and compare it to the word of God and ask the spirit of God to reveal the word of God to you so you don't get deceived because that is what he said. Every time they said, show us signs. When are you coming? And when are we going to be in charge again? And the first thing he always said, don't be deceived. If he said, don't be deceived, then what's our tendency? <laughs> to be deceived, right? Yeah, yeah. If your wife said, don't be a fool, what's your tendency? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So don't be deceived. Dude, that's the most, if Jesus is saying that, 
We got a tendency to be deceived, so we better take precautions. Again, that's the armor of God that protects us against our feelings, our desires, and our thoughts. And they're all in submission to the Holy Spirit of God, the way Jesus's were. Again, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, he could do anything. But as the Son of Man, he was submitted to God the Father. And the Holy Spirit was the mediator telling him when, if and when and how he could do godly things as the Son of Man. Go read about that in, in Philippians chapter 2. So the man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God's with them. Well, maybe. But at least God got his attention through that. And there were things that Christ was doing that were definitely getting people to attend. In fact, the majority of people were following him because they wanted free bread. Dude, how many of y'all would love to see a couple of Ritz crackers and a can of sardines feed 5,000 people? How many of y'all like to see that? Dude, I'm going, I'm going to that valley to see it, dude. I want to see it. That's what people were drawn to. And, and, and in fact, next week when we get back in, if we do get back into to, uh, Luke, when Jesus does go to his own hometown, they're like, oh, homeboy, homeboy Jesus is here. Woo, Nazareth, we're nobody. We're going to be on the, on the map now. And he's done all these miracles. Oh, we're, we're your special ones. Give us a little extra, a little lanyap, Jesus. And he said, I ain't giving you all jack because it's not that outside stuff you need. I'm your savior, not your Santa Claus. You need to be saved from the inside out. Hey, let me ask you a question. What happened to everybody Jesus fed? What happened to them? They died. There's nobody out there 800 years old or 2,000 years old saying, yes, I was there and I ate one of them sardines and crackers. No. Everybody fed died. How about everybody healed? What happened to them? They died. But everybody that got born again, what happened to them? They're in heaven and we're going to see them and we're going to be there forever. He did all those miracles and miraculous things to prove that he had power over everything, including and especially death, so we could be born again. And that's supposed to blow us away, and that's why we share it with everyone. Amen? Man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God. No one can do these signs unless uh, you know, God is with them. Jesus said, well, thank you, Nicodemus. That's awful nice you calling me rabbi and, you know, recognizing my power. A lot of people are down. No, you know what he said? He just said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Do you, do you recall Nicodemus asking him about being born again? No, Nicodemus like, hey, let's make a deal, dude. I know the kingdom's coming and yeah, you're going to be a part of it, an integral part. Let's put this together. And he said, no, no, dude, you need to be born again. What? Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so in this, Nicodemus as a Jew, how did they misinterpret scripture with by having a faulty uh, gauge? How did they misinterpret? What did they think you needed to be to be able to go to heaven? You need to be what? A Jew. Anybody who's a Jew, dude, we're saved, we're good, we're in. That's why later Jesus even said, dude, I can make take these rocks and make seeds of Abraham out of them. No, they thought, we're Jews, we're in. We're Jews, we're in, we're good. And Nicodemus was like, yeah, well, I'm Jewish. Um, you know, it, now, if he would have said, oh, so Gentiles need to be born again, Nicodemus wouldn't have had a problem with that at all. But he said, you got to be born again. What? Do you know who I am? I'm a Pharisee. I'm a ruler of the Jews. I, what? 
I'm already born a Jew, and I'm a leader of the Jews. I don't need to be born again. That might have been what's going on in his head, but in all of this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see or experience later is how it is. It's almost the same word, the kingdom of God. He goes on. Nicodemus said to him, (laughs) and again, watch where Nicodemus is taking this. Is he taking it spiritual or is he taking it physical? Because a natural man can only understand what? Natural things. So he's kind of, maybe he's playing with Jesus. Maybe he's just kind of making a joke. Maybe he's, huh, you're a good one, Jesus. You know I'm a Jew and I'm a ruler. I'm good, I'm in. Good one, Jesus. How about this? How can a man be born when he's old? I don't think he was really thinking about crawling back in his mom's womb. I think he was just making talk like, all right, let's get to the point. Let's, come on, man. We got busy schedules. Let's figure this out. But he said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Obviously, he knows that's not the answer. He's throwing that out there, kind of making talk in all of this. But look what Jesus does. He said again, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, there's some debate on that water. Does it mean baptism? No, not really that. It could refer back to um, a prophecy about when the new life comes, you will be born of, 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 of the Spirit, you'll be born of water. But really, when you look at the next part, the simplest explanation would simply be when you are born hey, what, what's the first sign when a woman has birth? What, what breaks? <laughs> Maybe not the first sign, I don't know. But when do y'all know it's time to go to the hospital, y'all? Yeah, when the water breaks, right? Uh, again, born of water, most like, I mean, there's a few illustra- a couple possibilities, but it doesn't change the meaning of this. What he's saying is, dude, you gotta be born physically, right? To get to heaven, you gotta be born, which, which is interesting because when does conception happen, y'all? Does it have to be outside of the womb? No, dude. You're born when God creates you. You're there, all right? You're a physical being. You are, a fetus is a physical person. That's what we're praying about, or talking about today. But, but in this, he's saying you've got to be born a human. And, and, and he says born of water and to be born again, you've got to be born of the what? The spirit, because heaven's a spiritual thing. And God is a spiritual being. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So he says, you can't see it. You can't get in. You can't be a part of this kingdom if all you have is a physical birth. How many of y'all have a physical birth? See your hand? Y'all got a birthday? How many of y'all got a birthday, right? Physical birth. Robin is Rob, physical birth. Has he been born? Yes, man. He's been here a long time, right? I mean, there's evidence of that. I'm messing with you, old man, because I ain't far behind you. <laughs> so, so there's a physical birth. That's all you got. And somebody said once wisely, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Think about that. That's what he's talking about here. If you're born once, if all you're born is physical, you have no spiritual birth when you die. You change addresses like everyone else, but you go to hell. You die the second death. But if you're born again, you, you go to heaven. You only die once. And when you die, you change addresses and you're in heaven. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one's born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if you don't agree with the translation of that, look at this next part and you will. That which is born of the flesh is what? Dude, if it's born of the flesh, what can you do? All the things the flesh can do. 
What can you do in the flesh? You can do this. You can do this. You can, you can smile. Look at, I love that smile, Julia. There you go. The, and then, yeah, I like that, man. That, that's flesh. You can do these things. All the things that flesh nature allows you to do, you can do in the flesh. But what can't you do in the flesh? Get into heaven. You can't experience heaven. You can't experience the born-again life. You can't see life from God's perspective because you have a faulty gauge. You do not have the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God, interpreting the Word of God for you. You have to depend on that faulty flesh to interpret the Word of God. And it's going to use your feelings, your desires, and your mind. That's why you have to be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. Duh. <laughs> Y'all do that? Take a hand and go, duh. Is that, you have to be a brain surgeon. Well, I don't want to go brain surgery, but do you have to be a scholar, a biblical scholar to understand that? You understand what he's saying, man? If you're flesh, you've been born flesh, which all you have, dude, all you can do is experience what the world has to offer. That's it. But, when you're born again, now you can experience what God has to offer. You can see it from his perspective. You know you have a home in heaven because now you can experience it. Now you can get in. Prior to that, you can't. You can't understand it. Check this out. He said, don't marvel. Nicodemus, how, how much has Nicodemus even said since this point? What was the last words we heard from Nicodemus, y'all? Oh, duh, should I crawl back in my mom's womb and be born again? God, Jesus, said, stop. <laughs> you must be born again. That which is flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Why is he marveling? Because he thought being a Jew was enough. Being a Jew was not enough. Being an American is not enough. Being a Democrat or Republican or a whatever you want to be, a Baptist or a Catholic, or what, that's not enough. None of it's enough in the flesh. You've got to be born again. And so he says, don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Though, and look at this. So Nicodemus is kind of like, hmm, what's going on? How, how, he said, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it comes or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. The best illustration or uh, example or explanation I have for that is, the wind's blowing. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving. But what do you know? You know when it's there. In other words, you can't predict, oh, that person's going to get saved on this day. And here's this and this, this. No, dude, when the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life filled, not picking on you, bro. When the Holy Spirit of God comes in and says, dude, give me your life. You have a choice to make. And you can say, I'm not ready. I don't want to do it, man. I'm not. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, what's the problem? If the wind didn't blow in tomorrow, you ain't going to do it. You got to do it when the wind's blowing. You don't know when he's coming. You don't know when the Holy Spirit is leaving. With, you're dead. Do you understand? When you're not born again, you are spiritually dead. What can a dead person do? What, what can a dead person do? Absolutely Nothing. So is there anything you can do to be born again as a dead person? No, you need the Holy Spirit going, putting the air in you, the wind in you, the Spirit to say, here, I'm letting you have a revelation. I'm letting you, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm giving you a desire. I'm giving you the ability. And then what do you got to do? You got to say, all right, let's go. 
God's not going to make you do anything. That wouldn't be love. We're not a puppet. But he gives you the desire and ability to give your life to him. And you can't do it without that desire and ability because you are what? What's the D word again? You're dead when you come in this world. Oh, I'm going to do it after I finish college. I'm going to do it after I get married. I'm going to do it after. No, you don't have control of that. When the Holy Spirit of God comes in your life and gives you the desire and ability, I'm going to tell you, jump on that opportunity because there's no guarantee it's happening again. It might, oh, it's already happened 15 times. Dude, your odds are running out. You better jump on it. How many of y'all had the Holy Spirit give you the desire and ability to give your life to him? And how many of you who have your hands raised on that or raise your hands would say, don't do it. It's the absolute worst thing in life. It's like Gestapo. Once you're in, you're stuck. You can't get out and it's horrible. Anybody, anybody say that? Instead, what would you say to the person who has the desire and ability right now and they've not jumped on it? What would you say to them? Yeah, anybody got a Nike shoe on? I don't wear that communist junk, but I'm just saying. Anybody got a Nike shoe on, man? What's their motto? Just do it. Man, how many of y'all wish you would have done it sooner? Yeah. I'm telling you, dude. You're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Neither do we, and we're born again. But that's the cool thing. We're following the one that does. And he's led us into, he's not led us wrong. And he's taken us to heaven. If you're going to trust him for heaven, dude, you trust him right here for sure. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound. You don't know where it comes, where it's going. So is everyone born in the Spirit. It's unpredictable, but who's controlling it? God. So when you get your shot, go for it. Well, what about the people who never hear? And you know what? The people, if you want Christ, you can have them. You come to him and you want them, you can have them. You got to have his desire, you, you can have them. The people who don't have Christ are the people who have rejected him and said, I don't want him. Well, I want him, but I don't want him on his terms. I want him on my own terms. He's God Almighty and you're not and you can't have that option. And in Romans 1, it says everybody through creation sees there's a higher power. There's God. Is it not undeniable? Dude, all the people watching sunrises, every time there's this cool sunset, hurricanes, earthquakes, what happens? Even the newscasters, oh, we need to pray for them. They know it came from God. It's un God's undeniable. But it's what you do with that knowledge of God. Do you pursue it? And if you don't pursue it, whose fault is that? That's yours. It's all on you if you don't make it to heaven because you didn't pursue him. He's righteous. He's just. But he wants you to pursue him when he pursues you. Hey, Barb, I still never forget those words. A couple years ago now, I don't know how long. How long ago, Barb? Five years? Oh, my goodness, how time flies when you get old. But me, I'm talking about. But one day, Barb was like, it's like God is pursuing me. I'm like, go for it. Pursue him. And you did. Look at that face right there. Tell me that she's pretty ticked off about pursuing God and God pursuing her. Yeah. It's the best thing you can ever do. I don't know anybody that's sorry they've ever done it, but thousands like me that wish they'd done it sooner. It's not your call and it's not in your hands. When he gives you the opportunity, dude, go for it. And if you've got it today, don't say, I'm going to wait. No, no, you don't know. But I do know this, that without the desire and ability, you won't do it. And you will bust hell wide open. 
And that's not his intention for you or anyone else. He made hell for the devil and his demons. But the people that reject his love, <laughs> his gift of salvation, they get to be with the devil and the demons. And by the way, you're not going to be hanging out partying with all your friends. That's not the way it works when you read Scripture. That's a world's false gauge. Look at the next part. So Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? All right, confused. He's not born again. Doesn't really understand. It's not making sense mentally, you know, uh, to him. He's like, how can this be? And Jesus goes to him and he says, are, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Uh, and the answer is yes. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Like, yes, you don't because you guys have gotten it all wrong. And I'm trying to tell you what's right. And if you get it right as teachers of Israel, you can teach Israel right. But right now you don't have it, guys. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we have seen and you don't receive our testimony. I'm trying to use earthly illustrations for you and you're not getting it. If you don't get the earthly illustration, then you aren't going to get the spiritual illustration. Dude, that's why you got to be born again. He said, man, we're trying to help you understand this through analogies and you're not getting it and you don't want to get it. But if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Heaven is awesome, and I'm the only one that's ever been there and, and come down again. That's what he just says. No one's ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, and I am him. So Jesus is giving him a what hand witness or account of heaven? Yeah, firsthand, dude. If Jesus, who was there, says you got to be born again, what do you think? you got to be born again. I'm not going to listen to Oprah or Phil or Jerry, Jerry. I'm not going to listen to any of their experts that they have on their shows, if they still have their shows. I'm not going to listen to any of the blogs. I'm not going to listen because Jesus was there. Jesus says this is what's going down. He's the truth. He's the way, the truth, the life. He said no one can come to the Father except through him. He told us that. Man, he said, I'm the only one who's done this. The son of man, Nicodemus, I'm telling you the truth. And Nicodemus evidently did believe it eventually. But look at the further explanation. So here he goes. He goes back into Numbers 21. Y'all read the illustration in Numbers 21? In Numbers 21, what happened was Israel's walking through the wilderness with God, and they start becoming ungrateful and anxious or... Uh, yeah, anxious is a good word. Any of y'all ever become anxious and ungrateful? You don't like God's timing. You don't like his provisions. Any of y'all do that? Okay, I want you to remember this story. Because they got anxious and ungrateful. And we're like, we don't like manna. We're sick of this stuff, man. We're, and, and you know what? We've been wandering around and the water's not good. I like spring water, not drinking water, man. I like, you know, they're getting picky. Anxious and ungrateful for whatever God has provided. And God says, you know what? I've heard enough. Boom, he covers the place with poisonous snakes. How about if he did that to your condo next time you were ungrateful? How many of y'all be like, oh, yes, Jesus, thank you for Tang, <laughs> whatever it is. How many of y'all be jumping on a chair thanking him for whatever he probably, yes, Jesus, we are grateful, right? They were ungrateful and, he, and, and, and anxious. They weren't happy with his timing or his provisions. And he said, bam, here's a bunch of snakes. And it does say in Numbers 21, a bunch of them were getting bitten. They were dying. No one at this point had said, hey, Moses, you got a solution? <laughs> or no one at this point had, had said, hey, God, stop. They were just like running from the consequences. 
Boy, wouldn't that be foolish to run from the consequences when you can have a relationship with the one who's created them and the one who's trying to get your attention? Aren't you glad we don't run from consequences and we just automatically go to God Almighty? <laughs> so you know what? They go to Moses. Moses goes, God, God, we need some help. God said, okay, all right, Moses, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make some anti-snake laws. <laughs> Is that what he did? Anti-snake laws. We're going to have protests. We're going to elect some politicians that do not like snakes, and they're going to make it illegal to have snakes in this vicinity right here. They didn't do any of that, did they? God, what did God tell Moses to do, y'all? Hey, anybody, what did he tell him to do? Get a stick and do what? Yeah, make a statue of a snake and put it on the snake. Can you imagine being Moses? Like, everybody's getting, ow, oh, ow. They're getting bitten. They're dying, right? And Moses is there carving a snake. Can you imagine what, hey, Moses, can you go to God? Once again, you're not pleased with his timing, and you're not pleased with his provisions in all of this. And so Moses carving the snake, got the snake on a pole, and then he's like, all right, God, in faith. You know how much faith Moses must have had? You think any of them two million people wanted to kill Moses as he's making a Play-Doh snake, you know? And it's like, what are you doing? Save us. He's like, I'm doing the best I can. And, and God says, now, Moses said, what now? And he says, lift the snake up, okay? Tell them if they just, what did they have to do to that snake, y'all? Did they have to kiss it, caress it? Did they have to say a, a incantation over it? What did they have to do? Look at it and believe that if they looked at it and they were bit, that they would be healed. How many of y'all think that's kind of stupid? Honestly, again, how, seriously, you're like, I ain't getting struck by lightning here. There's enough of y'all thinking about it. If we were going to get struck by lightning, it already happened. I'm just saying. How many of y'all would think that really ain't the best plan? There's got to be a better plan. Dude, develop a vaccine. <laughs> something man there's got to be something here a snake lifted up on a pole but guess what what would it take on your behalf to look at a snake on a pole and believe that god would heal you what would that what would that f word be yeah all you had to do is look up there and say all right, God, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you are. I'm trusting you. I just got bit. I'm feeling my leg go numb. It's going in my bloodstream. I'm trusting you. And all of a sudden, you're healed. Whoa. And then the dude next to you has been wondering, and all of a sudden, he sees you walk away. What's that going to give that person? Faith. And then the next person, faith. And the next person, faith. But somebody had to believe it and do it. And, and in our faith grows. If you use it, you get more. If you don't use it, you lose it. If they didn't use it, hey, that is stupid. I'm waiting for a vaccine. Boom, you're dead. We're moving on, leaving these here for the coyotes to eat or whatever. But I'm just saying, it took faith. So he said, as Moses, he's trying to give an illustration to Nicodemus that he'd understand. He said, just like Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In other words, I'm the Son of Man, and I'm, I'm not really ready to kick Roman tail yet and usher in the millennial kingdom. You need to be healed from the inside out. I'm going to be crucified, lifted up, so I'm going to pay for your sins. And you're going to have to look at me on the cross and believe that that's payment for your sins. How many of y'all believe that? How do you believe it? Who gave you the ability to believe such a crazy thing? God. And if God's given you the ability to believe and you've not put your faith and trust, whose fault is it where you end up? 
He's given you the desire and ability to believe something that crazy. In fact, in Corinthians, it says it's foolishness to them that don't believe. I can remember in my life, it was foolishness, the gospel, until he gave me the desire and ability to believe. Now everything else is foolishness, amen? So he said, man, you have the desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ. Go for it. That's what he's telling Nicodemus, the ruler of Jews. And I want you to teach everybody this, Nicodemus, because you've got a lot of influence and you're going to be held accountable for that. The same way. So he says that whoever believes in him or me will have eternal life. What happened to those people that looked at the serpent and got healed? What happened to them? They died. <laughs> but what happens to us that believe in him? We change addresses. We go from here to heaven. Absent from the body is present with the Lord, man. Y'all believe that? We don't have to be afraid of death. I don't really want to be mangled, but, <laughs> but death I ain't afraid of, right? Believe in me, have eternal life. Look at this. For God so loved... Oh, here's the verse. How many of y'all see the dude in the, in the rainbow wig in the end zone with the, with the sign? Y'all remember? How many old enough to remember when they did that and they'd show that person? And it had John 3.16, right? And some people were trying... But man, the world was trying to make it look foolish. You see a dude in a clown suit with a suit. Man, most people are like, ha ha, there's a John 3.16 guy. And they missed what he was trying to do. Maybe somebody got saved and did it. Look, here it is. For God so loved the world. That's everyone that he gave, it's a gift, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God loved the world. He gave a gift, all right? And, uh, uh, and it was his only son. It was himself. He came and gave himself as a gift to take the wrath that he was going to dish out on our sins. And it was a gift. Whoever believes him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift. I just feel like i got to emphasize this gift right now, Sue. Man. You don't even know what's in here, man. And my wife be like, no, you'll have to replace it all. I want to give you this backpack and all that's in it. It's like, let's make a deal behind door number three, man. I mean, I'm talking, there's, there, dude, just for starters, look at this, man. Oh, wait, it's some, I, I got keys in my truck. I got, oh my goodness, but you know one of my prize things right now? Oh, look at this, dude, this is a thousand watt flashlight. Thousand watt flashlight, dude, man. It's awesome. That's just for starters that's in here. There's so much stuff in this backpack. And I want to give it to you, Sue. What would you have to do for it to become yours? What would you have to do? If I wanted it, if I'm giving it to you, what would, take it, right? What if I chased you around your whole life, whatever you got left, Sue, here, 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 and you never took it, would it ever be yours? No. What if I said, Sue, this is all yours. All you have to do is clean all the cheese out of my big toenail. <laughs> <laughs> all you gotta do is clean the cheese out from under my big toenail that's it hey that's a good deal if you knew what was in this backpack all right i'm just saying how many y'all would like say dude i'll take care of your toenail for that backpack anybody none of y'all would be taker yes yeah, steven there you go bro that's right man if it was your backpack i'd clean your toenail for that also but i'm just saying but listen it would be a good deal but would it be a gift if she had to clean my toenail for it if you had to do anything for it, it's not a gift. But if it's a gift, what do you have to do? You just take it. And God isn't going to strive with man forever. He's not going to chase you around your whole life. 
In fact, there's somebody probably here today, I am not have some gift of prophecy, except when it comes to Super Bowl with the Eagles, brother, and I am so sorry that they made a bad call at the end, and I know you were praying, Jalen Hurt, throw a touchdown, Hail Mary, man. Uh, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but I just got to believe God has me preaching this. There's somebody here that's got the desire and ability, and they need to surrender themselves to Christ, man. And I'm just saying, if that's you, do it. Do it. I can't make you do it. Your mama can't do it for you. Nobody can do it. You got to do it. And you don't know when it's coming, and you don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. But it's a gift. All you do is accept it and receive it. He sent his only son into the world to condemn the uh, not uh, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that through the world, uh, the world might be saved through him. So he didn't come to say, okay, here I am, and if you choose me, you get to go to heaven. If you don't choose me, you're going to hell. That's not what he did. The world was already condemned, y'all. You're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. One sin. If you have blown perfection, you've earned a free trip to hell. And again, God didn't design hell for you. He designed it for the devil and his demons. He didn't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. Uh, I put it on my Facebook page from a good old guy named J. Vernon McGee. Anybody heard of J. Vernon McGee? He is an awesome scholar that people poo-poo on because of the way he talked and all that. But, dude, God used him to go into Silicon Valley back at the very beginning of it, this old country boy, and preach to all them sophisticated city people and illustrate Scripture to them, and they got it. And here's how he describes it. You can look on my Facebook page and get a better explanation of it. But what he said is, is you come into this life, and when you sin, you are now on death row. You're on death row, y'all. How many of y'all ever sinned? You sin, you're on death row. You're not on trial, and God's not on trial. Your trial has already been set. The judge already said the wages of sin is eternal death, separation from God forever. So you now have earned a death penalty. You are on death row. You are simply waiting. If you are lost, you are on death row, and you are simply waiting for God to determine it's your turn to die and change addresses and it can be executed. And you're not going to heaven on death row. That's the penalty. But what happened is, can you imagine if you're on death row, how desperate would you be? Can you imagine if somebody came, the warden came and said, hey, um, there's a pardon for you. There's a pardon for you. How many of y'all would take the pardon if you were on death row? Yeah. How many of y'all would say, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm going to do this on my own. I got a teaspoon. I'm digging my way out. <laughs> you know, Shawshank Redemption. I'm just saying, I, I ain't doing this. You know, I'm digging my way out. No, there's a pardon for you. How foolish it would be to reject that pardon. And then let's say you reject that pardon and now you go to be executed. Florida, I think it's called Old Sparky. And all of a sudden you're there. This was not fair. This was not right. This was not, I wasn't as bad as this person. I wasn't as bad. You know what? And, and they look at you and say, but you had a pardon, dude, and you blew it off. What I'm saying to you, if you've never given your life to Christ, is you got a pardon. Don't blow it off because you ain't got an argument when it comes down to the end on that. He said, I didn't come in the world to condemn it. The world's already condemned. The world, uh, I came to save the world, to give them a pardon. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Why are you condemned? Because you didn't accept the pardon. 
Everybody needs to pardon. Everybody has sinned. Everyone has come short of the glory of God. In Romans, it says, it says everyone's come short of the glory of God. Hey, if all of us, who's a, who's a really good swimmer here? Any good swimmers? Y'all good swimmers? Oh, you're a pretty good swimmer? All right. Chuck, you're probably going to swim. Marley, you probably have to swim us all, right? Marley, young man, he can swim, he can surf, he can do it all. He's fish, man. And, and so here we all go. And we'll even let you use your paddle boards, all right? Because you're older, and we'll let you do that. And you're from Michigan, we'll do that. And, but here we go. We all start. Here we go. And we take off, and the goal is to get to England. Let's go. How many of y'all going to make it to England? Do you think the Michiganers on their paddleboard are going to make it? He, he's like military, dude. He's got some survival skills, but... Dude, you don't, you don't know what that weather's like out there, man, and the sharks. and I don't think you're making it to England, do you? He's going to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Give in. Sell your soul to Christ. Give in. Don't be proud. That's the proud person. I'm making it to England. I'm going for it. Does it matter if some of you, and I'm looking at a few of you, I think aren't even going to make it past the breakers. How many of y'all identify with the not past the breaker group? Yeah. Some of y'all make it out till, we, till the horizon and we see you going down. Some of y'all make it out of sight. But who's going to make it to England? Nobody. And that's it. That's eternal life. Man, we got to make it to England. And the only way we're making it to England is God hooks us up on a flight and he takes us. Amen? You're not getting there in your own merits. It's not happening. He said, man, you're not going to die because... I'm condemning you. You're already condemned. I've got a pardon for you. Will you please take the pardon? No. I want to run my life. That's the greatest sin there is, wanting to be the Lord of your life. That's the one that's going to take you to hell, folks. Look what he said. This is the judgment. Light came into the world. People loved the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. All right, so check this out. It's real dark at night, right? It's dark in your room. How many of you had a dark in your room this morning? Dark curtains. How many of y'all like it dark in the, when you're sleeping, man? Oh, yeah, I like it dark, man. And can you imagine somebody taking this 1,000-watt flashlight, Sue, and having the audacity to shine? You're still blind, aren't you? <laughs> From that, <laughs> from that But can you imagine you're laying there in bed, it's dark, and somebody psh, puts light in your eyes? Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh, Sue, we already know her personality. Get out of here. She's going to be swinging too, right? There's some people that are going to do this, and they're going to try to turn the light off and get it away. Some people are going to, you've got to turn the light off. You've got to get it away from you. But what's the other option you can do if the room gets light, y'all? Yeah, time to get up. And guess what happens? Do your eyes adjust? Yeah, eventually. And when you live in a dark world and you're unsaved and the light comes in, your life changes. And you're like, oh, no, no, go, go. But at some point when you surrender and you say, all right, as long as it takes, man, and all of a sudden now you're seeing in the light, isn't it much more productive, Kirsten? Isn't it more productive seeing, you ever try to take care of all your babies in the dark? In Haiti, I know you did, because <laughs> there ain't electricity all the time, man. And, and it's hard. What happens in the dark? You stumble and you hurt yourself and, 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 and everything gets messed up. But in the light, it's much more productive. But you got to let your eyes Get used to it. If you're afraid of the light, how many of y'all believe light's better? Would you testify right now to someone who's sitting here saying, no, I don't want to go in the light? Testify to them. Tell them it's better. This is the judgment. Light's coming into the world. People love darkness. So, oh, no, turn it off. They like darkness rather than light because, oh, my works are evil. They're exposed. 
But once you come in the light, you're doing righteous things and you want, it's a testimony. You want people to hear about them. You want people to see them. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by who? So once you give your life to Christ, you want it to be exposed. What did he tell us, man? He said, he said you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He, he goes on, and there's maybe some more to it, but he says, he said, let your lights shine so that the people see your good works, they see the Father. When they see you doing good work, Kathy, when they see good works, dude, they know it ain't Kathy, right? Yeah. They, they, man, how many of y'all grew up at a day and age, you know, I was talking to the young people about this other day. How many of y'all grew up with windows open in your neighborhood? And you knew when Billy Robinson was getting a whooping, right? You knew when, when this couple was having a fight, right? You knew everything about the neighborhood, man. It was all exposed. Now we live in these like, you know, stormproof windows. We don't even know what's going on in the next room, right? But we like it that way. Because my business and stays in my business. But once you give your life to Christ, dude, you want everyone to see what he's doing. They're his works. And everything that comes in our life once we give our life to Christ is there for our good to make us more like him and to bring him glory. Amen? I believe that's verse 21. Let's pray. Father, we're coming to you in the name of Jesus. We're grateful that you have made it possible for us to be able to come in that name and everything it stands in. That's one of the benefits of being born again. We're all born of the flesh. We had the water break. We, we came out covered looking like some guava cream cheese pastry and they cleaned us up and dressed us up, took pictures, all this stuff. And we compare ourselves to each other. And we set some kind of standard, Father. Help us realize that standard of the flesh is like a faulty gauge. And it's going to lead us to try to come, to come to solutions that aren't really solutions. But the only real solution is to be born again through what the Son of God did so we can have the Spirit of God and He can show us the true meaning of the Word of God. And now we can get to the root of problems. Now we can get the heart of what's actually happening. We can have an accurate gauge and not really try to fix things, but know who you are, knowing that your law is like a mirror that reveals to us what's wrong, but we can't fix ourselves with the law. We don't try to fix our hair with a mirror or the green thing in our tooth with a mirror. We don't try to get it out. The mirror just reveals what's wrong, and that's what your law does. But it's you, Christ, that fixes everything. And it all helps us become more like you and brings you glory. Help us live in that glory. Father, I pray today that there's someone who's not born again. They're not afraid of that term. I pray, Father, that none of us would be afraid of that term and let the world make us afraid of that term. It just simply means being born from above by you so that we can experience the things that you want us to experience. Be a part of that. Father, if there's someone here that's not born again, they don't know for sure when they die they're going to heaven. Father, give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and be born again.
We're born once, we die twice. We die physically and we die spiritually. But if we're born twice, born physically and born spiritually, we only die physically. And we live forever with you. And it's pretty awesome. I pray for these things in Jesus' name.